The scripture for this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along in your Bibles or in your worship guide. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. We are in our third week of our vision series, looking at the life of Jeremiah and discussing what it looks like for us to pursue spiritual and social and cultural renewal with vigor and courage in our daily lives and in the church. The first week, we looked at God's call on Jeremiah's life, and we're reminded that our call is part of a greater ongoing redemptive story. Last week, we learned of Jeremiah's feelings of inadequacy. These feelings, like our own, often cause us to shrink back from the things that God has called us to do. But as in Jeremiah, God speaks to our fears with words of reassurance and grace, enabling us to move forward with obedience. Now this morning, we're looking at the circumstances leading up to this passage, and we're looking at this passage itself. And from these, I want us to consider three things. First, the nature of reform. Secondly, the call for reform. And then thirdly, the power to reform. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. That you would illuminate these words, this ancient text. And just as this text transformed Josiah's life, we pray this morning that this text will transform our hearts, our lives. So would you come, Holy Spirit, speak to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the first thing I want us to consider this morning is the nature of reform. You know, as we are seeking to bring about reform in our city and beyond, it's helpful for us to share a common definition of reform. And the book of Jeremiah helps provide such a definition. Now, to understand this, we have to look at the history. Now, Jeremiah was born during the last 10 years of King Manasseh's reign. Now, all scholars agree that King Manasseh was the worst king the Hebrews had ever had. He reigned in Jerusalem for 55 years. And during his reign, he encouraged a pagan worship that consisted of sexual orgies and cult prostitution. He actually imported wizards and sorcerers from all over the region to promote evil practices. In 2 Kings, we read that he even burned his son alive on an altar as a terrible act of witchery. And Manasseh, as he was trying to promote this evil, he understood that the temple 
was the house of worship for the Jews in Jerusalem. And instead of honoring this holy place, he sought to defile it, having idols shaped as beasts and monsters placed in the temple and allowing murderers and thieves to take up residence there. Eugene Peterson says, Manasseh dragged the people into a mire far more stinking than anything the world has yet seen. And in the midst of all of this evil, there was a small resistance. There was a small group of Jews that did not turn their backs on God. They did not engage in all the horrific practices. But unfortunately, there was a larger group of Jews that entered in to this evil that Manasseh was promoting. It was a dark and horrible time in the history of Israel. And it was in the midst of this evil that Jeremiah grew up. He learned to walk, he learned to play, he learned to talk. For the first 10 years of Jeremiah's life, he watched as his fellow Israelites engaged in sorcery and forsook their love and allegiance to Yahweh. And as I was thinking about Manasseh's reign and the horrors that occurred throughout the region, it would be fair to say that he had turned Israel into a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And then when Manasseh died, his son Amon became king. And I'm sure the holy resistance in Israel, they held out hope that things would begin to change. Surely Amon would turn away from the evil that he had seen his father commit. But unfortunately, Amon continued in his father's wicked ways. And for three years, he empowered the defilement of the temple and he cheered as men and women and children engaged in the most heinous of acts. And ironically, the very evil that Amon promoted was the evil that eventually brought about his own death as he was murdered, leaving his eight years old son, Josiah, to become king. The psalmist <laughs> writes in Psalm 8-2, Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. This was certainly true of Josiah. There was an innocence in him that God used to bring new life to the land. Josiah began to ask questions of those around him. I mean, imagine this, this eight-year-old asking, wondering, how could a better rule be established? What is needed to restore health and goodness in Jerusalem? And Josiah, seeing how the temple was the epicenter of worship and life for the people, he decided to start there with the restoration sending his servants in to renovate and repair the temple. And while doing this, one of the priests by the name of Hilkiah found an old book inside the temple. And he brought this book to Josiah and read it aloud to him. The old book was the book of Deuteronomy. 
which speaks of the love of God and our worship of him. It provides clear definitions of what is right and wrong and explicit directions on how to make moral choices and conduct intelligent worship. It was this book, God's holy word, that transformed Josiah's heart and mind. And it was this book that was used to instruct the reform throughout Israel. Josiah banished every form of false worship. He cleared the temple of prostitutes. He forbid the magicians and sorcerers from practicing their divination. Any old altars that had been erected by his grandfather and father were torn down. And people were taught the way of faith. In the darkness of Israel's history, God used Josiah to bring about the most sweeping and radical reforms. Eugene Peterson says this, Religion became what it must be, but often is not. A way of discovering the meaning of life, of ordering justice in society, of finding direction toward goals of excellence, of acquiring the discipline to live with integrity, of realizing how God loves and of learning how to love God in return. So you're asking, what is the nature of reform? How do we define it? And as we look at the history from Manasseh to Amon to Josiah, and we look at the reforms that were taking place, I believe that, that the nature of reform, or we refer to it as renewal, is the restoration of shalom in us and in the world. It is the realignment of our heart, our mind, our soul to the truth of the gospel so that we might love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Jeremiah preaching to the people in the midst of Josiah's reform says it this way in Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for ancient paths. The book of Deuteronomy. God's word, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. Reform, renewal, is the restoration of the good and holy way in us and in the world. <clears throat> it is in this way where we love God and are loved by God. It is in this way in which we order justice. It is in this way in which we walk with integrity. It is in this way in which we celebrate beauty. It is in this way in which we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So, now that we've looked at the nature of reform, I want us to turn our attention to the call for reform. As we just learned, Josiah's reforms were taking place across the land. The temple in Jerusalem had been restored to its original form and worshipers were free to worship Yahweh again without the temptation of prostitutes, magicians, sorcerers, or other idols strewn throughout the temple and its courts. And so you can imagine as the people of God gathered in the temple to worship and all 
was seemingly well, God tells Jeremiah, I have a sermon that I want you to go and preach to the church. So you, you just picture the scene, and it's almost like this morning, all of Judah had gathered. And they were excited. They were excited about coming to worship God in the temple. And they were excited about hearing Jeremiah and the preacher. He starts to walk up to the pulpit and everyone is listening. And they can't wait to shout a big amen to the things that Jeremiah is about to say. But then Jeremiah opens his mouth and begins to speak. And they quickly realize that God's word to them is not one of praise for coming to worship but a call for reform in their own hearts. Jeremiah says to those gathered there, Thus says the Lord of hosts. This name is the warrior name for God. And then he goes on to say, As God is your commander-in-chief, I want you to amend your ways and your deeds. And I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. Now, we read these verses and we, we really don't understand them. What in the world is Jeremiah saying? Why is he saying to amend your ways and your deeds? This is the church that's gathered here. These are the people of God that have come to worship. Why is he saying to them, don't trust in these deceptive words? The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Why is God so upset with them? What is the problem? Jeremiah says, the problem is outwardly. You are doing all the right things. You're coming to church. You're singing the right psalms and hymns. But true reform is not only outward changes. True reform, true renewal also necessitates inward change. Heart change towards God and toward your neighbor. True reform as we have just discussed, is restoration of shalom in us and in the world. It is the restoration of our souls to Yahweh and restoration of the earth. In Jeremiah, verses 5-11, through he continues with his sermon to explain to them. He says to them, For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds... If you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you still Murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known. And then, 
and then have the audacity to come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house become a den of robbers in your own eyes? Jeremiah here is not holding back, just like Jesus did not hold back when he went into the temple courts. He tells them, you're saying all the right things, but it is hollow. He's saying, brothers and sisters, your hearts are far from truly loving God and your neighbors. Eugene Peterson, commenting on these verses, says it this way, for religion is not a matter of arrangements or place, or words, but of life and love, of mercy and obedience, of person in a passion of faith. Standing in a church singing a hymn does not make us holy any more than standing in a barn and neighing makes us a horse. Paul, in 2 Timothy 3.5, echoes the same sentiment, warning us, Not to hold on to the form of religion, but denying the power of it. Jeremiah is saying to the church, you need to repent of your idolatry. You need to repent of your lack of love and care for the orphans and the disenfranchised amongst you. You need to repent for the shallowness of your own heart toward the Lord. Yes, on the outside you look good. But you are stone-washed tombs. And Jeremiah warns them, if you continue to do this, if you continue to say to one another and trust in these deceptive words and only have outward reform but not inner transformation, then I will destroy the temple. I will withdraw my presence from you. And as they heard that, they had to think to themselves, there is no way that God would destroy his temple. This is his holy temple that Solomon built. There's no way that he would do that. Jeremiah says, yes, he will. And we need to go on a little field trip to a place called Shiloh. Jeremiah says in verse 12, go now to my place that was in Shiloh. Where I made my name dwell at first. And see what I did to it. Because of the evil of my people Israel. Now Shiloh was one of the most famous holy places in Hebrew history. When Joshua brought the people into the promised land. Shiloh is where the people assembled. They set up the tabernacle. And divided the lands into 12 tribes. Shiloh was the where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. But because the Israelites rebelled against God, God poured his judgment out on them. And all Shiloh was now was a few piles of rock and a field of weeds. And every traveler from Galilee to Jerusalem who passed through there could see the devastation. And they were reminded of how the Israelites failed to keep God's covenant stipulations and therefore reaped 
the consequences. Jeremiah declares to the church, if it could happen in Shiloh, it can happen in Jerusalem. So heed God's call for reform. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. No more lip service. God is jealous for wholehearted devotion to him and building his kingdom. And as I was preparing for the sermon this week and I was studying Jeremiah's sermon I was struck because the the last 11 years, I have preached a vision sermon and series. And I've called all of us to go out and seek spiritual and social and cultural renewal, reform in our city and beyond. But as I was thinking about back over the last 11 years, not once. Did I ever remind us that like with Josiah's great reform, reform does not start with those outside the church. Reform starts with you and with me. If we are to seek the restoration of this city, we must ask the Holy Spirit to begin searching our own hearts. Our own church. We need to ask ourselves the same question that Jeremiah asked in his sermon. Are we coming week after week singing spiritual songs? Taking communion? Listening to the sermons? Are we praying the prayer of renewal? Doing all the seemingly right outward things? But if we're honest, our hearts are hollow. And our love for God and our neighbors is shallow. I couldn't help but think of Lila. Are, are we, like Lila, just parroting back what she is hearing from Andrea? And we're parroting back what we're hearing from one another and what we see on the slides. And we don't even really know what we're singing and to whom we're singing it. Brothers and sisters, I believe God is calling you and me to something greater. I believe he's calling us to wholeheartedly follow him. He's calling us to a life of faith and repentance. He's calling us to be holy as he is holy. He is calling us to love our neighbors. He is calling us to fight for justice. He is calling us to care for the orphan and the disenfranchised. He is calling us to walk in the way of the Lord and to rest in him. Reform begins with you and me. It begins with us here at Hope Chapel and then it flows out from this place. And like the Israelites, we might be tempted to think now that we have this nice building that we can just coast We can sit back and be spectators. God would never destroy this place. But Jeremiah says, remember Shiloh. And remember that the temple is no longer in Jerusalem. It was destroyed 
because the people of God did not repent. Look around the city. There are empty church buildings scattered all over Greensboro, which were once full of vibrant, courageous, authentic worshipers of God. But somewhere along the way, they chose to trust in deceptive words. They chose to say all the right things as their hearts grow hardened toward the Lord. And now those churches are empty. If it happened to them, God is saying it could happen to us. So, we've seen the nature of reform. We've heard God's call for reform. Lastly, the question that I hope we're all beginning to ask ourselves this morning is how in the world can I ensure that I and we as a church continue to seek reform in our own lives and also in our city? Where might we get the power to experience reform and renewal in our lives, in the church, and in the city? I'm going to be brief because my time is almost up. And the truth is, as I just mentioned, the Israelites, they didn't heed God's call. And God was faithful to his covenant stipulations. But his people, they weren't. Therefore, judgment fell on Israel and the temple was destroyed. God did what no one could ever imagine doing. He allowed his own dwelling place to be destroyed. But the story does not end there. God sent Jesus Christ into the world. Jesus came to continue God's great reformation. And listen to these words that Jesus declares in John 2, verses 19 through 21. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture in the word Jesus had spoken. God destroyed the temple, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And then he raised him from the dead so that our sins might be forgiven and so that we might have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The power of the Spirit to help us not just sing with hollow words, not to retrieve from the love, loving orphans and the disenfranchised. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is His power in us that enables us not just to do lip service to Him, but to love Him. And to love our neighbors with all of our being. 
The question for us this morning is, will we, will we repent? If we are just paying lip service to him this morning, will we repent and will we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to enliven our hearts, to endear our hearts toward him again? And again, I've wrestled with this because over the last week, I've realized there's things that I say. I say that I don't fear death, but that is not true. That is just lip service. In reality, there's a fear in me of death. And I need God to do a work in my heart. And so that when I stand up here and say, I don't fear death, it's not deceptive words. It's authentic truth that comes from within. A knowing and a belief that God exists. That there is an afterlife, an eternal life for all of us to participate in. I need God to do work in me. And my guess is there's some things that we are saying that we're just parroting back. And God is saying, I want to reform that in you. I want to bring renewal in you. I want you to experience the depth of Jesus Christ who dwells in you, who calls you his beloved, who offers grace and mercy to all of us. And then, as that transformation is taking place, I want you to go out and offer that same love to every person that comes on Saturday. To every person in your workplace as you're doing gospel ministry there. To every student in your classroom. To every neighbor on your street. I want you to preach the good news. And it not just be words, hollow words. But words that come from a well. That springs from a love that's deep and abiding. The love of Jesus Christ that dwells in us. Josiah's reforms were the beginning of reforms that continue to this day. We see in our text what true reform is. We hear God's call for reform in our church and in our world. And we are comforted in knowing that the power to bring about renewal does not come from us. But from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. So church, we need to arise. All great revival starts with the church repenting. Repenting of our sin. Repenting of our carnal ways. And my prayer and my hope is that one day they'll look back and history will say that this church was a spark that set a flame. A flame that burned throughout Greensboro. The glory of God that brought about renewal and restoration in this city. Very similar to the renewal and revival that took place in the 70s when Billy Graham came to this city. May we be a part of that, even a small part. Not so that our name or Hope Chapel's name is lifted up, but so the name of God is lifted up in this city and beyond. Amen.